0: Good day from Wall Street. This is Jack Marks for Wall Street Reporter. And today I am speaking again with Sean and He is the CEO of Night Food Holdings, Inc. Stock symbol is NGTF, over the counter. Uh, Sean, great to have you back once again. My pleasure, Jack. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so, Sean, last month, of course, uh, Night Food was a... Uh, Featured presenter at Wall Street Reporter's Next Super Stock Conference. Uh, we had a lot of great investor audience interest uh, in the presentation uh, and feedback. Um, I think what a lot of people found interesting, especially, was, were some of the slides uh, where you showed in the presentation, which, you know, some of the commonalities of, of where night food is and, you know, some of the other, you know, kind of like... Niche and innovative food brands that became uh, really mm-hmm. billion-dollar companies. Uh, so, yeah. for a- anybody that's in the audience that's interested, that presentation it's available in Wall Street Reporter uh, in the next Super Stock tab, and anybody can uh, check out that presentation with the with uh, the audio and everything. Uh, so, today, Sean, what what really um, I'd like to 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 talk about with you is really some of some of the recent developments since uh, n- mid-november since the last presentation and uh, we could also talk about maybe a recap of you know the achievements of 2019 since you know you launched the, the night food ice cream and most importantly what's ahead for 2020? Sure. Where would you like to start? Okay, so let sure let's start with uh, you know today's news release, which was uh, yeah very interesting, which is that uh, survey that uh, came out from Harris. So can mm-hmm. you you know you know maybe provide you know, tell our audience a little bit about that and you know provide some some <coughs> color of what the
1: opportunity, what it really means. Yeah, sure. I mean, so yeah, this is huge news for us, and you know we we always knew the market was big. You know, we, we've uh, thrown around numbers out there. We talk about a $50 billion um, snack category, you know, nighttime snack category, a billion dollars a week. And and I think those numbers were, were born out in this study. And in fact, you know, you could argue that the market is probably larger than that. I mean, you know, we would estimate based on the data that we got from Harris that there's probably 800 million unique I don't know how to put this snacking. I don't want, there's probably 800 million, we'll call it snack, unique nighttime snacking occasions every week. Um, it doesn't account for the fact that some people might snack twice in any given night. Um, but you know, it's amazing when you think about it. And, and so I think that a billion dollars a week in terms of consumer spend is probably, uh, probably a conservative estimate. Uh, so, so we know the market is huge, you know, uh, 83% Eighty-three percent of consumers report snacking at least once a week. Twenty percent of them snack uh, report snacking every night. But what, what I thought was more interesting about this, because we've known the market is huge. I mean, whether it's a billion dollars a week, Jack, or one point one billion dollars a week, or one point two. I mean, you know, that's not going to make or break our company. It's not going to make or break the category. It, this is huge and it's massive. Regardless of whether it's nine hundred million, a billion, or one point two, whatever the number actually is, um, but but what we thought was really interesting and what what kind of surprised us out of this was was the component uh, which which really speaks to the opportunity more even so than the market size is how people feel about this, right? And and the the survey came back and it shows us that people first of all they acknowledge that that they're uh, making less healthy choices at night sixty four percent of people who snack at night indicated that uh, you know that they're eating healthier earlier in the day than they do close to bedtime but you know you you've got uh, more than half of the people saying things like they feel that you know they're snacking at night is a is a major challenge for them saying they feel guilty about what they're snacking on at night uh, they wish they you know they feel out of control they wish they felt more in control and so what that what that does is that tells us that that the consumer is dissatisfied, right? It would be different if, the, if people were spending a billion dollars and they were all super happy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm snacking at night and and it's fine and I'm not looking for any new solutions. I there's no problem, everything's perfect. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is that um, you know probably you know more than half of that money that's being spent. So five hundred million dollars a week is being spent in a dissatisfied way by people that want something better. That until now hasn't existed or in our case exists, but they, they are not yet aware uh, of us or, or not yet understanding of us. So that speaks to the, not only the size of the opportunity, but the immediacy and the motivation on behalf of the consumer, which is really powerful stuff.
0: And this, so this is where the opportunity is for, for the night food ice cream. So you're, you're targeting
1: that, that audience well, yeah. I mean, these are the people that, uh, you know, they're snacking at night. They're dissatisfied. They, they know that, uh, their cho- choices are not healthy. Um, and you know, they, they have this pain. They're walking around with this, uh, this, uh, dissatisfaction and yet they're still consuming the products that are making them dissatisfied, right? It's really hard to get somebody to switch if they're happy. You know, I guess whether it's in a relationship or or a job or 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 something that they're buying as a consumer. But when somebody is dissatisfied, oh, it's very uh, interesting. It, so so there right, makes it much easier. there is a pain point,
0: and you know people are more you know kind of more you know more motivated by pain than, than pleasure usually. Uh sure. So you're so essentially if, so if, if, if there is about eight, so to recap, there's about eight hundred million snacks consumed at night each week. Uh, and, uh, if these people knew about, uh, night food, ice cream, you could get a percentage of that market, whereas more people, I mean, you're already launched. So, but I think right. only a very small percentage, even with all the media that you've gotten, uh, this year, you're still only a small
1: percentage is, is still aware of, of the product. It takes a long time. You know, it's funny, Jack, because when, when, uh, when we were just getting ready to launch the ice cream, it's almost a year ago now. Uh, and I saw some old friends and family around the holidays, around Christmas time last year. And, you know, they, oh, what's going on? I hear you're launching this ice cream. And, and so I was catching up with people. And I would I would say to them, I'd say, yeah, you know, are, like, are you familiar with Halo Top, right? And, and by this point, by 12 months ago, Halo Top was already around for, I don't know, five, six years. Um, they had already, uh, you know, probably sold, uh, over half a billion dollars worth of ice cream, right. Uh, by that point. And, uh, you know, so many of the people, you know, friends and family and, and relatives, I would say, have you ever heard of Halo Top? And I would say about almost half the people, uh, said, no, uh, what is Halo Top? So, you know, I, I don't think the average uh, consumer or investor understands how long it really takes for a brand to, uh, not only become mainstream, but to be, to, to raise that point of awareness where they're kind of, you know, where most people know who they are. And I would argue that, you know, and this is, you know, you, you started off talking about some of the brands that we talked about, whether it's Siggy's or GT kombucha or, or some of these others. I mean, you know, there are brands that are worth uh, perfect bar, hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, um, that, that really most people still haven't even heard of. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the burden is on us and the challenge is on us. We've got this, this fertile market, this huge market of motivated people. And then the burden is on us to, how do we efficiently communicate to these folks? Let them know that we're around, get them to try us. Obviously we think we've got a superior product. Um, I encourage anybody who's, you know, even thinking about investing in night food, certainly they should try the ice cream. Um, And so, you know, the challenge is on us, you know, how do we most efficiently reach those people? How do we most efficiently communicate our message and our benefit? How do we most efficiently take their existing level of dissatisfaction and turn that into their motivation to try something new? And, and I'm telling you, you know, four or five years from now, there's still going to be somebody trying night food for the first time. and that's not a failure. That's just the natural path of, um, you know, of a consumer brand. And, and, and so, you know, uh, we've got all these people and, and that's the challenge is, is one at a time, you know, more people tomorrow are going to put night food in their mouth, hopefully than they did today. And then more people, you know, the next day and, and, and that's how it grows.
0: Right. Right. So, so, but essentially there is, uh, right now, each week, 800 million uh, snacks consumed, and you know, a, a percentage of those people are obviously a large percentage probably do eat ice cream, and if they saw, if they had sure. an opportunity uh, to try night food or, or that you know you could get a, a significant percentage of that
1: market yeah I mean you know we've got to uh we've got to make sure that they're aware we've got to make sure that we're in the places where they're shopping and um yeah i mean we we would love a significant percentage of that market so let's um let's
0: talk about a couple a couple of things that are pretty interesting there's there's some some news uh that that came out it was that I think it was about uh, last week uh you' talking about the uh you know the hospitality initiative. Uh, I, I think that hasn't been talked about enough yet. I mean, you kind of you mentioned it briefly, and it's kind of an, an interesting opportunity. Uh, so, can you you know tell our audience a little bit more about that? What's happening there, and why why you see that as as a as a key
1: opportunity to get more yeah? Exposure? It's a re- it's a, it's a really interesting opportunity, and and exposure is the key thing. I mean, you know, you talked about before, you know, getting a significant percentage of the market and. You know, I don't like to talk about it in this way, but I know that a lot of people always ask this question, and that is, well, wh- you know, if you could only get 1% of that, amount, right? Right, right. So, so just to put that in perspective, because, you know, um, so if you've got a $50 billion uh, a year consumer spend on night snacks, which seems low at this point based on the new data that we just got today, but let's let's use that number that we've been using for the last couple of years, $50 billion. So, one percent of fifty billion is five hundred million dollars. Okay, so if we if, if we had that five hundred million dollars, uh, uh, you know, out of that fifty billion, so leave ninety nine percent to people eating Doritos and Ben and Jerry's, right, and Oreos and Haagen Dazs and Halo Top and and carrot sticks and whatever else, right? And we've got one percent. We've got five hundred million dollars. I mean, our market cap would be a few billion. Okay. at least. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're looking three, four billion dollars probably because, you know, we would probably, you know, by owning this nighttime category, you know, we'd probably be able to justify, you know, six, seven, eight times top line revenue as as our market cap. So you're talking about a company that's worth a few billion dollars. Okay. we've got a lot of work to do to get there. And, And one of the things that 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 we've seen is that in the hotel's. Right, it's a very different environment than the supermarkets, Jack. I mean, I don't know how much you've traveled lately, but I've been paying careful attention for a long time. A lot of hotels now, you know, they've got that little store in the lobby. Uh, you know, not only are they selling their M and M's and their Snickers and their, you know, their their power uh, Powerade or or vitamin water or whatever, but a lot of a lot of them now have little freezers, and they're not big freezers in most cases. They're little freezers, maybe a kind of like a a three foot cube and they might have some, some microwave burritos in there, um, and, and some other things, but you know, any, any hotel that has a freezer, they're also going to have ice cream. Right. And the really interesting thing is that out of those hotels that have ice cream, you don't have the same selection that you have at a supermarket. Okay. You walk into a supermarket these days and you look at that ice cream section and it's a wall of, of brands and, And, you know, even, even a new brand like night food, we've got seven flavors in most of the stores that we're in now and the new stores that we're going into, um, you know, some of the established brands like halo top or Ben and Jerry's, you know, they might have two or even, even more shelves. So they might have 14 flavors, uh, 16, 18 flavors. So even just with the pints, you've got, you've got hundreds of things to choose from all the Talenti flavors, right. And, and Haagen-Dazs and, and everything, um, when you're at that hotel, they would typically not have anywhere near that amount. They might have uh, two or three different choices of pints uh, that you could choose from. People that saw – when we first found out we got into our first hotel, which was quite uh, by accident, you know, we asked them to send us a picture. And if I remember correctly, uh, we were in between a pint of Haagen-Dazs and a pint of uh, – I think it was Twix ice cream, which I never even knew existed. But it's by Mars. And – and so that was their choices. You could have uh, – you could, you could get the, the whatever flavor of haagen they had. You could get night food. I think it was Cookies and Dreams. And you could get this Twix ice cream. So, so here you're, because you're because there's one of three. Yeah.
0: You're one of three instead of one of hundreds. And you have this captive
1: audience because nobody wants to leave that right, hotel. That's, right. They don't want to leave the hotel, so they're captive in that respect. But they're also captive in the respect that they probably have a little bit more time – to say, what the, what, what is this night food? What is that? You know? And they're more motivated in that moment because anybody buying ice cream in a hotel is probably their biggest concern at that moment is a spoon because they're going to be eating it right at that moment. Right. It's not, they're not buying it for a week from next Tuesday, right? It's not a shopping trip where, where you're buying groceries for the week. So so there's this there's this this motivation that, hey, I'm going to buy something. I'm going to eat this now and then I'm going to go to sleep. Right. So there's that instant connection. It's, it's almost 100 percent of nighttime for nighttime consumption, even though we know most ice cream is consumed at night um, in the hotel. It's even more so. And the person has a chance to stand there, pick up the package because it's one of three, turn it around, read it, maybe even hop on their phone, go to our website and really understand, you know, what this is all about. And what we're finding is, and it's a very limited data set, but I, I personally, I started calling these hotels because the, their order size started getting bigger. Right, August to September, September to October. Oh, really? That's, started ordering more, you know, more and more ice cream. Right, more okay. and more night food. And and one of the hotels, um, you know, told us the first one I spoke to uh, said that you know we were selling uh, about the same as as the Ben and Jerry's that they carried. And the second hotel, which actually added more flavors of night food in, I don't remember what it was the month of October, I guess it was, um, they had added more flavors of night food and they got rid of, they stopped selling the Ben and Jerry's in their hotel. So, uh, you know, it's a really interesting thing when, when the product is outselling those legacy brands, whether it's haagen or Halo Top or whatever. And it's, I think it's because the consumer in that moment has the opportunity to really process and comprehend and understand the benefits, uh, that we're providing. And, and obviously, that's never going to be possible in the supermarket. We're not going to make believe that we can ever do that. I mean, all the publicity, all the magazines, and all the TV and everything else we've gotten—the the awareness and the understanding of what we're doing—is still so infinitesimal. And to the investors, you know, to the investors that have been hearing me talk about this for you know twelve or maybe going on eighteen months now, fifteen months, whatever it is, since we announced that we were launching the ice cream, they might have heard it a hundred times, but if you ask, you know everybody walking into that supermarket, if they ever heard of night food, you know you might have, you know, one out of a hundred, or one out of hundred and fifty, or one out of a thousand. I don't know what the number is, but I know it's really small.
0: Right, exactly. And it's 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 yeah. interesting. That, you know, sure. I think that's an interesting point that people should realize is that. You know, even though Nightfood obviously has been, you know, all over you know our website, and and you know some small some small cap investors know about it, you know, and it's probably I think I'm I think you're the only ice cream stock out there, but uh, you know, in terms of consumers who have actually tried it, the, the market that's sort of that's yeah, it hasn't the surface hasn't even been scratched. I mean, it's not even a quarter of, of,
1: of, of, of,
0: of 1% of people. Of. I
1: mean, I, I can't even begin to think about the, the fraction and the number of decimal places that would be needed to identify, you know, what percentage of people has actually ever even tried our product. But what, what I know is that, um, you know, in that set, in that hotel set where, where we've got the attention and the focus uh, of the consumer, um, you know, we, we seem to be a very clear winner. And so what we're trying to do is understand what's the difference there, what's going on there, what's in the mindset there compared to – because it's the same person. Right. You know what I'm saying, Jack? It's very interesting. It's the same person that's in the supermarket. Um, But but what is going on in that hotel? What is going on in their mindset? What's their motivation? What are they thinking about? And how do we apply that and how do we communicate that so that – so that we can break through the clutter of the uh, of the supermarket shelf and
0: you said now you said one of the chains actually uh, they had you and Ben and Jerry's as part of the choice and night food
1: replaced the Ben and Jerry's I mean you knocked out Ben and Jerry's from yes uh, well yeah but you said chains it wasn't a chain this is an individual location okay so these these decisions are being made by the person you know who's 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 procuring products for that freezer. Now we don't even know how, um, (laughs) you know, like, like the, the, these hotels that started adding night food, you know, they, we didn't sell into them. You know, the distributor was not selling into them. It was just that, you know, we're we're in the catalog because we got this distribution partnership um, with, uh, uh, with Vistar and, you know, the, the hotel just said, Hey, you know, let's try some of this, you know, let's put some of this in and we'll see what happens. And, and then we started selling and that's what we saw in the reports. And that's when we started contacting them. I mean, I remember when we first made our first post on, uh, social media, it was because these hotels came up on a sales report that we got from the distributor. Um, so, so that's how we learned about it. So, so it's not the chain that's making that decision. Ultimately we do, believe, well, I believe something very strongly. And I believe that any hotel that's got a freezer should be selling night food, ice cream, or you might say any hotel that's selling ice cream should be selling night food, ice cream, right? Like how, how can you justify selling Haagen Dazs or Ben and Jerry's to people when they're going to eat the ice cream, they're going to go to sleep. They want a better night's sleep. You, as the person running the hotel, you know, that the single most important thing to that customer is how well they slept, Right. So why wouldn't you give them every advantage? So ultimately, we do think that, you know, we can cut deals with with, you know, whether it's Marriott or Wyndham or or Hilton, um, you know, and and why you used the word when you started asking this question. I didn't think we'd talk about hotels for whatever it is now, six or seven minutes. (laughs) But you talked you talked about exposure. So there's something huge to be said for, you know, striking a deal with a hotel chain, you know, where you know, maybe the key cards, uh, that they hand out to people are branded for night food. And it says, Hey, you know, if you want, you know, if you, if you need a snack at night, we've got night food in the lobby pantry, come and get it, you know, better sleep or, or we've got table tents, you know, in the rooms or, or when they check in, uh, you know, we do some kind of in hotel promotions. Now the advantage for the hotel, yes, they might sell some more ice cream that way and generate some revenue, but, uh, for the hotel, it's in my opinion, it's about signaling to the consumer that 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 every touch point, the hotel is thinking about better sleep for the customer. And anybody who travels, they've seen it in the last few years. All the beds have gotten upgraded. The pillows, you go into rooms now, there's multiple pillows to choose from. There's sound machines instead of AM, FM radio alarm clocks. They make a there's big deal out, out of it. Shades. Yeah, there's blackout shades instead of these flimsy curtains that you used to have. Um, some hotels even offer eye masks and earplugs. And so it's really – the hotels are investing billions and billions of dollars in, in trying to give the consumer everything they can get so that they can sleep incrementally better. And the last frontier of that is food, right? It's, it's, it's the snacks. It's what is in the hotel lobby and what can people acquire on the property. Uh, to either help them sleep better in the case of night food, or are we going to continue to make snacks available to them? The candy and the ice cream and the cookies, uh, that are going to impair their sleep. I think from the hotel standpoint, it's a no brainer to come out into the hotel industry publications. Um, and also into the consumer facing publications say, Hey, look, we are hotel chain X. We operate 8,000 properties in the United States. We're a billion, multi-billion dollar company, and we're taking sleep so seriously that we're now putting night food in all of our hotels. And the amount of publicity that they would get, first of all, in the trades, but also they can see that night food's been all over the media, the Today Show and Oprah Magazine and, and Wall Street Journal and all that stuff. So the amount of publicity that we would be able to generate for that when we go out there and we say, hey, we just struck a deal with this hotel, they're putting this ice cream in, the media would be all over it. So the, the millions of dollars of publicity that could be gotten from that, in addition to the incremental ice cream sales, is really valuable, plus being kind of a thought leader within the industry. And so when you talk about exposure, Jack, it's that kind of exposure, but it's also simply the exposure of all those people at night that are just standing in front of that hotel freezer you know, for four or five minutes trying to figure out which ice cream they want. And it's I think it's more velocity than people expected. It's certainly more than I expected.
0: Yeah. And definitely, you know, it's just, it's just, and this is the, this uh, hospitality market is just one, one channel. This is just one of your distribution channels. It's not, uh, you know, uh, but it's, it's interesting because again, you're, you're, you're able to reach people, uh, on a, on a, you know, national or even international basis as, you know, there's people like travel, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they try new experiences and then, uh, you're able to kind of you know build word of mouth but uh, what i think is is most interesting about this hotel thing is that a lot of the brands you mentioned a lot of these like niche brands that became these billion dollar brands you know they started off some of them became successful by starting off in these kind of hmm. like uh you know odd odd uh distribution <laughs> channels you know i'm using the word odd but you know these these kind of like non-traditional distribution right. channels or non-traditional markets and then it became mainstream, but they may have they may have really found their initial success. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be with knifehood, but that's kind of that's something that you know people should should consider definitely
1: yeah it, it it's certainly true and and you know you could argue that uh, if we if we penetrate the hotel market the way i the way i I hope we can in two thousand and twenty that that could almost be a standalone business that would justify, you know. <laughs> Uh, a market cap many, many multiples uh of what we're currently carrying. Uh you know, so I think that that certainly that's true, but you know, from my perspective, and you know this, and I think anybody listening probably knows this, you know, we we think there's the mainstream opportunity is here immediately as well, and the hotel thing is gonna be kind of complementary uh to that. But certainly uh you know you could see that if we if we penetrate that hotel market you know, that could kind of serve as a standalone business, um, but, but it in terms be, of you know volume and, and velocity,
0: right? But all but also, it could be that you know that's from that could be the place where you know the mainstream distribution you know grows from. In other words, you right, know, once you own that market, all of a sudden more and more people you know, nationwide start hearing about it. it, becomes one of those like uh, you know, it's sort of like what. Coors beer was, I guess, in the '60s or the '70s. You know, people went to Colorado to to get it. Yeah, they went from New York to Colorado. They came back with it, and then it became this nationwide phenomenon. But first, it was one of those things where, you know, they had to go to the special location to first try it. So yeah. right,
1: and it, it certainly it certainly can be the case that that you know we might uh, see massive success whether it's in the hotels or some other you know. Strange, like you said, place or niche place before uh, you know the supermarket sales kind of catch up uh, in terms of velocity to to what we'd be targeting. But uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna be working on on, on both fronts, of course.
0: So, Sean, one thing uh, you mentioned a couple of times, uh, I think you just briefly mentioned it. You said you talked about. What you call, you know, owning the nighttime snacking category? Mm-hmm. What, what What do you mean by that? Like, what does this mean in terms of dollars? In terms of dollar potential upside to own a category? Oh. I mean, you know, I,
1: I the the numbers are so massive, and and we're still so small and early that you know uh, I, I want to be careful in how I say this. I mean, we talked about one percent of the market you know, would, would give us a, a market cap of several billion dollars. Um, and and we've, we're a long way from there, of course. But, you know, I think that what happens is if, if we go out there and we do this the right way, um, it's going to be really hard for uh, other brands to come in and come across to the consumer as, hey, you know, here we are, we're going to give you this nighttime sleep-friendly uh, beneficial snack and no, we're, we're not night food, but we're, we're the next company in, you know what I mean? Um, so, so when you get out there and you, and you, you kind of are the pioneer of the category, uh, other companies can always try to rush in, but it's really hard for them to knock you off the perch. I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago. Uh, in fact, it was when I was preparing for the, for the, uh, the November event with you, Jack was that five hour energy, I think still sells, about 91% of all the energy shots in the United States. And, you know, this is 15 years after they've launched. Um, who knows how many uh, competitors have come and gone. And, you know, because to the consumer, five-hour energy is kind of synonymous with with the energy shot. Um, and and Chobani, you know, Dannon came along a few years later and, and launched Greek yogurt, but, you know, they were never able to, like, put – you know, people people here on Shark Tank or whatever they say, oh, somebody's going to come along and crush you like a grape. You know, it doesn't really work out that way in this space. You know, um, it's typically more acquisitions and stuff. So, I mean, so so one percent equal if every percent of the market figure equals a few billion dollars in market cap, Jack. So, you know, if if we were to start talking about what would it mean if we had three percent or four percent of the market, I mean, it's it's almost too hard for people to believe. And sometimes it's too hard for me to comprehend as well. Um, You know, we're just going to take it one customer at a time. But when you're dealing with a market uh, segment that's as big as what we're dealing with and nobody else is addressing it. Well, if you take it one customer at a time and you do it fast enough and efficiently enough uh, before you know it, you know, you are doing, you know, uh, enough revenue you know, where you're doing millions of dollars a week potentially, and that market cap is approaching a billion dollars. And you still, you're still not even at anywhere near 1% of, of, of the consumer spend. So, uh, but even at that little level, you can own the market because what, what happens at that point is the big multinationals come in um, and they want to take, um, they want to take these brands and turn them into what's called platform brands, Right. So if night food ice cream grows fast enough and we do all the right things, somebody's going to come in and say, okay, well, we're going to buy this. And guess what? We know that as, as as much as people love ice cream at night, even more people are eating chips and, and popcorn and pretzels, right? So now it's time for night food chips, right? Sleep-friendly chips, night food popcorn. Troll we know people love whatever. cookies. We're right. going to make the night food cookies. So that's what happens. So – so um, and, and I think what's going to happen is the big companies are going to realize that somebody is going to dominate this space. And this category, this sleep-friendly nutrition category, is going to be a multi-billion-dollar category. And, and it's going to be the brand, the night food brand, I think, that, that dominates and owns it. And, and all of that market cap will flow to us you know, if these things happen the way they should.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the name, the name brand, Night Food says it all about <laughs> you know, the category. I mean, it kind of, it's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think what's it? You mentioned something which we never really talked about before was is the possibility of this becoming a platform uh, mm-hmm. for Night Food becoming, you know, more than just ice cream, but in terms of. Other possible, you know, other possible extensions for a nighttime snack, and whether it's these cookies, yep. chips, or whatever. Uh, so that's that that could be, you know, bigger than the ice cream itself at, at some point down the road. Um, so that, that's
1: that's pretty compelling. Uh, sure, well, look- you know, y- y- anything anything that people eat can be, you know, you you can you can optimize it and make it more or less sleep friendly, and and you know that's that's as true of chips as it is of ice cream. You know, chips are not as great uh, of, of a platform for it, but, you know, you could certainly improve upon what people are putting in their bodies at night and and take away some of that guilt and and take away some of that feeling of being out of control and making bad choices. And, and that's what that would look like, you know, chips, cookies, and all those things. So, Sean, let's uh,
0: kind of recap. Uh, you know, looking back on 2019, uh, you know, this is obviously really the first year of, you know, of sales. Uh, Mm -hmm. what, you know, what are some of the, you know, kind of for investors looking at the, at the stock, you know, what, you know, what are some of the key achievements that you've had in the year? What are some of the, maybe the challenges, the lessons, Mm -hmm. uh, and and then we could talk about, you know, some of your goals for 2020.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I mean, look from an achievement standpoint, I mean, remember we, we only manufactured our first pint in January. So we're we're not yet 12 months into this. Um, I mean, achievement wise, I mean, look at some of the supermarkets we've gotten into. Um, I mean, look at some of the celebrities we've attracted, look at the media attention we've gotten. And and what that tells you is that everybody understands that this is a really compelling uh, thing that we're doing in terms of uh, consumers care, the media cares, the industry cares. And, you know, yes, we don't have enough people aware of this yet, but you know, that's always going to be a challenge. You know, most brands don't start off running Super Bowl ads. Um, So, you know, we're starting where we are. But in terms of accomplishments, I think we've really validated a lot of things in the marketplace. And in terms of challenges, uh, you know, I think it's about figuring out uh, and and learning, you know, with the research that we just got in, the research that we're currently doing, what we know about the hotel consumer, what what we see at the supermarket level, in terms of velocity is how do we increase trial at supermarkets? How do we increase velocities? You know, we've got some new initiatives coming. Obviously we're doing a lot of influencer marketing, uh, which, which really is kind of a, a a kind of a ground war tactic. It's just something that kind of builds really uh, over time slowly. And we're talking about micro influencers. Uh, We've had probably a thousand micro influencers or more, try our ice cream and post on their Instagram about it. Combined followings, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 million people. I mean, and I'm not counting, you know, our NFL players or, or, or Michael Clifford from five seconds of summer or any of that. This is just, you know, kind of regularish people that have an Instagram feed that might have, you know, eight or 10 or, or, or 19,000 followers. And there's so many of those people out there. Uh, And it's going to be part of our strategy going forward as we roll into new regions, and new markets. Um, you know, the other thing that, that happened, I mean, getting into Harris Teeter, which is a division of Kroger and uh, putting us in about 260 stores, it really opened up our playbook a little bit because there, there were types of marketing initiatives that we would have liked to have been able to execute, you know, six or eight months ago when we first started hitting supermarkets that we simply could not, they're they not available to us because we were not in enough stores for the, the marketing and branding partners to work with us. So landing Harris Teeter and getting that, that huge uh, Kroger, uh, Harris Teeter uh, footprint and the cachet uh, allowed us to work with companies like Ibotta, which we put out an announcement about, like News America. So so people are gonna start seeing in, this, in the supermarkets that we're in a lot more in-store promotions and the kind of things that some of the, the brands that have gotten really big have done that we've seen them do, that we wanted to do, but we simply could not, they were not available to us, and now we're gonna start, uh, the first initiatives are gonna be hitting the shelves in, uh, in March, uh, we just signed an agreement the other day for that. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the challenge boils down to understanding that it takes time, uh, it takes time for the consumers, as much as they get excited when they hear about this, it takes time to reach enough people, takes time for them to to grab the product and try it takes time for them to build it up as a habit. Um, and it also uh, the burden is on us to deliver the message in the most efficient way that's going to get to the proper part of their brain to give them that motivation and that's a big piece of what we're working on now. So uh, it's been a great year of accomplishments. We've learned a lot. Uh, we've accomplished a lot and uh, I'm really proud of where we're at. Uh, you know I think that that next year, is is going to be really exciting uh if all goes well you know we will learn exactly which in-store promotion techniques work for us we'll be able to refine our messaging and nail that down uh i mean a lot of brands don't succeed the first shot out halo top uh, if you google their old packaging you'll see it looks nothing like what their current packaging looks like um and in fact well a little factoid i mean they they, they were threatened with a lawsuit uh, their old packaging, the company name, um, I think it was Eden Creamery and they were threatened with a lawsuit and they were forced to change their packaging and the new packaging they went to, you know, so it seemed like a problem at the time, Jack, like, Oh my God, this is a crisis. Well, they changed their packaging. And within a couple of years, they were like the best selling ice cream in the country and supermarkets. So, um, you, you never know what little twink or change is going to, is going to make that difference. And, and we're, we're reaching for it, we're discovering it because while supermarket sales are growing, uh, we think they could be growing faster. And once we nail that messaging down, we think we're gonna start to see that kind of growth that that we've been looking for.
0: Right. So I I, I think the key takeaway, you know, from from an investor's perspective is that uh you know, really the company this is like, you know, year one of of uh you know of the company's uh yeah, uh, sales uh, with the, with a product. So you're not even in the first inning, uh, to use kind of a, a baseball metaphor. Uh, so it's really, uh, you know, very exciting about, you know, all all, all the upside ahead. Um, so, Sean, just to, to kind of to recap, uh, for mm-hmm. the next year, for the next, let's call it, uh, you know, six to 12 months, what are, what, you know should investors be looking for in terms of news flow? Like what are the key things that you want to see happen, uh, this coming year?
1: Well, I, you know, I don't want to start getting into projections or anything like that. I've gotten myself, uh, in, in a, in a bit of, uh, you know, I've gotten out ahead of myself a little bit. I, I, I think that the opportunity here, you know, I, I talk about billions, sometimes not millions. And, uh, you know, I just think that, that this is so huge and, and we need to get the consumer to understand it the way I understand it and then we will get there. So, um, so staying away from like, you know, we're gonna be in this many stores or this many chains, I think, you know, we'll stick more with uh, things along the lines of look, we want more and more people to be aware of night food, more and more people to be consuming night food. We wanna add, um, you know, more chains, more points of distribution um, but I think it would be really, you know, the thing that makes, uh, makes brands grow is if, if their sales precede their distribution, in other words, it, it would be really fun. And I don't know if we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get there, but you know, when, when, when the stores are just running, when they just can't keep enough of your product in stock, um, and part of that typically is a function of, of being somewhat under distributed, right? When demand is high and there's just not enough product in enough stores, you know that would be really fun. I, I think I would put that on the list of things I would love to see. Would be situations where stores, you know, the demand is so high that the stores almost can't keep it in stock, and nothing drives the other retailers to come to you and bring you in like those types of situations. And, and I think for us, I think if we get the messaging, right, um, and we figure out uh, and learn a little bit more about who the audience is and what we need to be saying to those people, I think we can get there. And if, you know, if we're able to get there in 2020, as we know, distribution is going to grow, uh, we know revenues are going to grow, uh, but getting those qualitative things, right, Jack, that opens up the world because once it's like it's like opening up a franchise whether it's mcdonald's or anything else i mean once you can do it and you can repeat it you know in in your location then you can kind of uh write the playbook and bring on other franchisees bring on more locations and expand and you know for us once we get there and we know exactly what works and what we need to say to people that's going to really be the the rocket fuel for what we're trying to do here
0: so I, I think that kind of the takeaway is that, that you've had some initial validation uh, of the of the product uh, this year, and the next phase really is going to be you know just you know scaling it up.
1: It's it's mastery of of, of the go to market piece. You know if we master the you know the go to market piece, you know when we roll into our next supermarket, or, or you know we're off to a good start in, in uh, Harris Teeter or whatever, and we keep learning, and we keep learning, then that's what's going to do it. And then yes, when you talk about ramping it up and scaling it, that's what it's about. Uh, we want to be able to go in there and and know exactly what to do, what uh, levers we need to pull in order to make each launch and each new chain super successful from day one. And that's that's what we're talking about. And And, and like I said, that's when you see those situations where consumers are just clamoring for the product and it's almost like a supermarket buyer can't not put it in because there's just this, this demand and, 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 and this run for the product and, and, and that we'll know what we're doing and and that the buyer, uh, will know that, Hey, you know, here's what we're going to do in month one, month two, month three, month four, and here's how that's going to look. So, uh, you know, it takes a lot for a supermarket chain to take a chance on a brand new, uh, product line and a new brand that, um, you know, maybe even hasn't, uh, <laughs> hasn't ever put their product on the shelf, hasn't even run manufacturing yet. And, and this is part of that process it's we need to figure this out as we go. And that's exactly what we're doing.
0: Excellent. Uh, Sean, on that note, uh, I want to thank you and, uh, we look forward to, to hearing more progress and, uh, Seeing your presentation uh, at the January uh,
1: 2020 Next Superstock Conference. Thanks so much, Jack.